0: Your hosts have earned a reputation as fierce and effective advocates inside and outside of the courtroom. Both partners are experienced trial attorneys who have been board certified in family law by the Texas Board of Legal Specialization.
1: Thanks for tuning into For Better, or Worse, or divorce podcast, where we provide you tips and insight how to navigate divorce and child custody situations. I'm Jake Gilbreth. I'm with my partner, Brian Walters, and with the partners at Walters Gilbreth. Today, we're going to celebrate our 80th episode and have sort of a simple, straightforward episode and recap a few of our last, some of our last episodes and things that we've talked about, do some listener questions, as well as get some insight into what's to come. So, Brian, I guess, talk to us about, we have some trending topics and episodes that have been popular with our our viewers, so why don't we recap some of those for people tuning in into this episode?
0: Yeah, we've done a a number of things over the the past uh few months of course every two years around september we have updates to the texas family code so we certainly had some of those there's generally nothing earth shattering about those but there were some interesting changes especially to protective orders and And uh, some other things. We went over those. Uh, We talked about the stock market and divorce and how that that can affect you, and how that might affect and how you value separate property and community property and and all of those type of things. I did an interview with a child custody evaluator named uh, Daphne Ainsley that went into uh, pretty good detail about what a child custody evaluation looks like, how they're conducted you know, how to maximize uh, your performance, your client's performance in them. Uh, Those are some of the things I did. We did a four-part series on real estate and divorce, anywhere from who keeps the home to mortgage lending, about dealing with rising interest rates, how that could affect the way things are handled in a divorce and about who um, moves out of the marital home on, on kind of short notice. I think you did a couple of other ones, which you might want to go over as well.
1: Right, Yeah. Really liked doing was we had an interview with a former client of mine who was nice enough to sort of jump on the podcast and talk about his experience. I remember when I represented him, you know, we had lots of sort of frank. Discussions about the business and the business of the law firm, and his experience as a client. He was always great for feedback and just kind of his personality, my personality. We like to, you know, off the clock whenever we weren't talking about his case, sort of brainstorm and think about different ways that we can kind of continue to improve the product that we have here at the law firm. So, and he and I have stayed in contact since representing him and continue to brainstorm on various things. And that that was nice to get him on the podcast. Yeah, like you said, I love the uh, the real estate divorce and the divorce series sometimes you know those topics can seem a little dry, but then when you actually apply them to real-life situations and think about how it's going to play out in a divorce, it's, I think, really informative. And like we said in the series, you know, the marital home is often the most important, both emotionally and financially, the most important asset in in a divorce. And so thinking through that, I hope, was really helpful for our listeners. I think you mentioned, Brian, we had a financial analyst uh, and estate planner on, you know, thinking about life after the divorce. It's, of course, really important. So, you know, we continue, Brian, you and I remember last week we were conducting interviews with uh, law students that were going to come work for us. And one of the things I'm proud of is being able to talk to people about the podcast and the way I like describing the podcast, which we've said on prior anniversary episodes, is I like that it's just us talking with people that know what they're doing in their field. And we really go in depth. I don't feel like we dumb it down for anybody in this podcast. We want our listeners to kind of know what we know. We don't want some curtain of secrecy behind between us and the client and what we know. Which kind of leads us to our next section is we like getting listener questions. We like listener feedback. We love listener reviews. And we love listener questions because there may be something that we haven't covered for y'all or wasn't clear. And we're happy to to answer those questions so i guess brian let's sort of ping off one another and i'll give you the first one. First question i think we got from a listener was can i dismiss a dis- divorce if i've changed my mind after filing for one if so what's the process so that's a listener question we got i actually got that question last week from uh somebody who is in a consult considering filing so what's the answer to that yeah you can
0: there's several caveats with it. First of all, I mean, it's a fairly common question. I don't know what the total percentage is. I don't know if it's five or some probably somewhere between five and 10% of all divorces that are filed or or ultimately dismissed. People change their mind or you know, decide to work it out or whatever the whatever the situation is. If it's just you that's filed, if just one of the, the spouses is filed, it's pretty easy You file what's called a non-suit, which basically says, I don't want to have this suit anymore. And it is dropped. Now, if you've served the other side um, and they filed a response or, a, or any, what's called an answer or a counter petition, that's more complex. Typically in that situation, you, you'd want both of you to file one together or, each file your own saying the same thing. I think the sticky situation is when one person says, you know, let's say they start the divorce, the other side counter files for divorce, and then they, the first person, what we call the petitioner, decides they don't want to go forward, and then, then but the other spouse does. Uh, well, too bad, you're still going to get divorced in that situation. It only takes one of you to decide to go forward. And once that uh, the other person who's called the respondent has filed their what's called a counter petition saying, yeah, by the way, I want a divorce too. At that point, it takes both of you to drop it, not just not just one of you. So generally pretty easy to do, but it can get a little sticky if the other side isn't so keen on dropping it. Uh, Then there's another question along these lines. What if I inherited a property from my parents while I was married? Now that I'm going through a divorce, is my spouse entitled to the property that my parents left me? Or do I have to split it with my spouse? How would you answer that?
1: A pretty straightforward question. It can cascade into nuances, but be separate property. So separate property, remember, is property that was owned before marriage, Property that was inherited, property that was gifted, or proceeds of a personal injury settlement that don't have to do with like compensating for work and lost wages. So in this situation, if it's inherited and you can prove, remember you have to prove separate property by clear and convincing evidence. If you can prove that the property was inherited from your parents, then it will be pretty clearly separate property. And do remember that if it has income off of that property, for example, if you inherit a brokerage account, or a lot of times you'll see something go through an inherited IRA, the Income off of that will be community property. So if you think about those interests and dividends that are spending off of brokerage accounts, stocks, bonds, those types of assets, and are getting reinvested in the account, then there's going to be a community component to it. And it's important to maintain good records. So if there's a situation where you get a divorce, you're going to have to be able to prove what's separate, what's community. And that can be not necessarily difficult, but tedious again, with like a brokerage account or inheritance IRA, So always keep good records on that. If you've inherited a piece of property, obviously keep uh, good records on that, although most will be in county clerk's office, but particularly brokerage accounts, inheritance IRAs, anything with stocks, bonds, make sure you maintain all those records because there may develop a community component to that. Uh, Next question, Brian, what's the difference between a divorce and an annulment? And do we take on annulment cases?
0: Yeah, it's another good question. A divorce means, uh, legally, that you have, were married and then then it is now ended. Your marriage is over. An annulment means you were never married, essentially. It's uh, annulled. So most people for annulments... That's usually a religious question. They go through their church to get an annulment. So, But there actually is a procedure under Texas law to get an annulment as well. They're extremely rare. I have handled them. We do take them on. There are specific reasons to get an annulment, but they're very, I would say, really difficult to do. And to me, it doesn't make a lot of sense to pursue an annulment most of the time by itself because it may well be denied. Judges basically don't like them and are suspicious of them. What I have told people to do in the past is to file for both basically and say, well, judge, I like an annulment, but you know, if you won't give me that or if I don't qualify for it, then um, please give me a divorce. And that seems to be the safer way to do things because otherwise you might go through an annulment process in the Texas court system and have it denied and then you got to start over and do a divorce anyway. So uh, that's generally um, generally not the not the best option. So Generally, it's pretty easy in many churches uh, to get an annulment, but again, in our system here in Texas, it's very, very difficult. So that's the difference. All right, here's another one for you. My husband and I have two dogs that we both love and have adopted during our marriage who gets to keep the pets when you get divorced.
1: Another really common question, and I don't love the answer as a pet lover and son of a veterinarian, but animals in the state of Texas are property. They're legally defined as property. And so just like all property in a divorce, a judge has to award the property, divide and award the property. You know, most people, as you can imagine, work it out amongst themselves about what they're gonna do with pets, particularly when they're told that, you know, that the divorce is property and a judge is not going a judge is not gonna have the authority to have y'all share the animal. The judge is not gonna be able to put in a possession schedule for the child. They just the judge is gonna be in a box if y'all can't agree, to just say, Okay, if there's a family dog and the spouses can't agree, then ultimately the judge has to decide who gets the dog, cat or whatever the family pet is. And make a decision. Again, usually people work that stuff out. But because pets are property too, this scenario, they talked about adopting during the marriage. And so... You know, if we're talking like property, which is what you would do in a divorce if you couldn't agree, then it sounds like the dogs are community property, and the court would have to make a decision. But a lot of times you'll see pets where they they have a separate property, that the pets are actually separate property. You know, you own, easy example is I own the dog before marriage. The dog is my separate property, and so it's not an issue, right? The court has to confirm my separate property. A lot of times you'll see pets as gifts, and then so be separate property. There's actually an interesting third court of appeals case. I don't have the name off the top of my head. But a third court of appeals case about the burden of proof for, I think it was a chihuahua, and the spouses disagree. They all agreed the chihuahua was purchased or adopted before marriage. And there was a dispute over who actually had purchased the or paid for the chihuahua. And then the, the appellate court question was... Is it clear and convincing evidence standard because we're talking about separate property or is it preponderance more likely than not standard? And as I recall the opinion, it's preponderance because we're all saying it's separate property, so we don't have to do clear and convincing. It's just a question of who's separate property, and so it's preponderance. I may have a much longer answer than the listener was anticipating when asked about animals in divorce. But I would strongly encourage all listeners to try to come up with something that works on animals, and we talk about it all the time. And divorces, we've set up possession schedules, and set up how we do with vet bills and stuff like that for folks that want to continue to kind of raise a pet together. I've had situations where the, the animals travel with the children, and very rarely, but it has happened where I've had a situation where you have to go ask a judge, and uh, you know, you want to see a cranky judge show up and tell them that one of the decisions they're going to, have to make is. Who gets the family dog or cat or something like that. So try to work it out if you can.
0: I agree. Here's, here's another tough one that we deal with. Here's a question, um, kind of a scenario for my listener. So I've been in my stepson's life since he was three years old. I'm currently divorcing his mother. Um, the stepson is now eight years old. Can I get visitation rights for my stepchild?
1: That's a really hard one. I don't have the case name in front of me, but it's recently addressed by the Supreme Court. And the answer is that it's probably not. Every single case is fact-specific, but we don't have a statutory mechanism for step-parents to have what we call standing, standing to come and ask for visitation rights. Depending how long the, the people have been separated or what they've done with the child, you know, there's there's an argument, but it is, you know, we have really, we've talked about how we have really limited grandparent rights in the state of Texas, and those are statutory. There's actually statutes that address those in the family code. There's extremely limited, I mean, actually there's no statutory rights to step-parents. There may be situations where a step-parent could argue care, possession, and control for standing if it's been long enough, depending on what they've done, but it's it's difficult. This is another one, Brian, I don't know about you, but I always encourage clients on both ends of this issue to to try to work it out, right? It's particularly, it sounds like this person's been in the stepchild's life for five years, I'm sure has a very close relationship. So there's the morally right thing to do, and then there's the legal issue behind it. So both sides of it, what do you say to your clients when that issue comes up?
0: Yeah, same as you. I mean, it's really it's really a sad one. And I mean, the, there's examples that are more extreme than this. You know, basically, they've been in the stepchild's life since practically birth and the kid is now 15 and calls them dad or mom or whatever and for all practical purposes consider some that but there's really limited legal remedies as it's related to it you're right there's there's probably a way with a particular type of separation and you know things that a very unusual set of facts that maybe you could try to get some standing but it's difficult and if somebody, you know, if the divorcing parent, the non-step parent or the biological parent really wants to be difficult about it and not a lot, expose the stepchild ever again to the step parent, probably going to be able to do it legally. Probably not in the child's best interest again, but that's the way the law is. It's sort of like with grandparents, it can be uh can be seemingly harsh. You can understand the public policy why why there wouldn't be such a thing. You'd have a three three way visitation schedule for the child to be rotating between three houses potentially. That's a, that's a problem. But yeah, it is. Um, it's something we deal with pretty regularly, and it is sort of like the pet issues or the grandparent issues. It it can be a difficult one.
1: Well, so moving on, let's sort of talk about what's coming up, up next with the podcast. So. We have some exciting guests coming up. We have some experts and other family law attorneys from around the country, actually, to discuss family law trends. And we're going to be addressing substance abuse issues, child custody, of course, child support, financial planning, interstate issues, all that's coming up. We're going to have some more episodes with actual clients who've been kind enough to agree to come on and talk about their experience with us and just the process and going through whatever legal situation they had. We're going to have some information on prenuptial, postnuptial agreements. And then something that I particularly enjoyed recording that will be coming up is a jury trial series. Everybody who listens regularly knows that Brian and I like talking about jury trials quite a bit. So we did a full series on it, including some episodes with Sarah Gilbreth, my wife, and the CEO of Walters Gilbreth, who you'll hear in the in the series, uh, we bring to a lot of our vaudeires. you'll learn from the series because she is particularly better at reading people than I know I am. And so she has some insight that she's gonna bring in those episodes. So all that's coming up. I can't believe we're eightieth episode. really enjoy this podcast, and we really do appreciate all y'all's feedback, the reviews that we've gotten. We love the questions. We love it when y'all suggest topics. This is just something that Brian and I have really enjoyed and continue to enjoy, and we hope that you'll find it informative. So that's what we've got for today. Like I was just saying, if you like what you heard today, please do us a favor and leave a review. We really do appreciate all feedback. It helps us better the podcast. You can reach out to us at podcast at You can find us on the website, and we'll wrap up this episode. I'm Jake Gilbreth, and here with Brian Walters, and thank you all for listening.
0: For information about the topics covered in today's episode and more, you can visit our website at waltersgilbreth.com. Thanks for tuning in to today's episode of For Better, Worse, or Divorce, where we post new episodes every first and third Wednesday. Do you have a topic you want discussed or a question for our hosts? Email us at podcast at waltersgilbreth.com. Thanks for listening. Until next time.